So good to be here. This is a, a, a treat. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, I, I'm impressed with your Idaho Bible Church Theater Company. <laughs> yes, I've seen some of those things. And yes, let's give him a, a round of applause. Uh, Bob says, uh, you, you, you don't have to uh, memorize too many lines. But choose those two, two little lines. They, I was forgetting them all the time. Okay? Uh, at my age, you forget things very quickly. And I'll tell you a story to prove it. So uh, because of the, the many, many miles that I've traveled, they, the, even though I'm not traveling as much now, uh, they still give me some perks in the airlines. So every once in a while, they put me up in first class. So I was coming back from Guatemala recently, and uh, I think it was from Houston or Dallas to Seattle. And, and, and I'm there in first class. I'm settling down you know, with my book, my Bible, my computer, getting ready. And so I want my music as well. So I have my earphones. I have the big ones, not the, what the young people use. No, no, no. No, I use huge ones, okay? Right here, here. So I'm ready to go. And so I get my music going, and, but I don't hear it very well. So I give it more volume. But I, I hear a little bit, but not a whole lot, so more volume. Finally, I gave all the volume I could. And all of a sudden, somebody's going like this from the back. He says, sir, sir, your music could be heard all over the plane. <laughs> I forgot to hook it up. <laughs> so so that, those things happen. It's happening to me more often now. So <clears throat> this morning, uh, talking about missions, talking about taking the gospel, talking about sharing with others what we have, what we know, the, the precious gift of eternal life with other people. Things are changing. And there are paradigm shifts around the corner, everywhere, more than before, it seems to me. Things are done differently. They're not done the way we used to do them in the past. How are we adapting to that new way of doing things? How are we adapting to these changes in society, in the culture, and education, new ways of learning, buying, selling. Are we making the, 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 the connection? In our own part of the world, when the Spaniards came, they brought a form of, of Christianity. So that was a way of, of bringing Christianity to uh, uh, parts of America. The Spaniards. And there, there they found the indigenous people in Guatemala, the Mayan people. And so very soon, Christianity and paganism kind of got mixed. And that's what we have there in ahead for many years. And even to this day, there's still some of that. Indigenous cultures and religions, they worship the sun, the moon, they worship salt, water, fire. Those are important things for them. They do certain uh, 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 
things uh, for to to uh, to pray for rain. Not the way you do it or I do it. They have their own way. Okay, they want to pray so they would have corn and would have beans, and they do it in a way that is different than yours and mine. That was the Christianity and paganism got together. Syncretism, sometimes it's called. Okay, but later we had businessmen from Europe initially, then from North America, and they came down to do different things. Uh, the Germans, for instance, they came and they were growing coffee. They were some of the first people in Latin America who came to grow coffee. Okay, Germans, they went to Brazil as well. Then we had the United Fruit Company. Some of you probably remember some of that. And in those groups coming to do business, they also brought the gospel. So it was not organized. It was informal. But they were believers in Christ. And there are some churches still today in some of those places. They came and they did railroads. They did roads and bridges. Companies came from the United States to Central America and other parts of, 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 of South America. That was another way of bringing the gospel, okay? Later on, it was a little more intentional. We started to see, those before me, people selling Bibles in open markets. That was a creative way of doing it. And how did they hear about that? Well, I imagine some of those people who went down as businessmen, they were coming back and telling, sharing the story, and... Then new missionaries decided, let's, let's, let's try this. Let's go and do it. Some people on their own. Some of them were sent by churches or denominations. Okay, you go and sell Bibles to Guatemala. Go to Nicaragua. Go to Honduras. Go to Colombia. And they were selling Bibles. That was one of the ways. Later on, then we had the official missionaries coming in. In our case in Guatemala, the president of Guatemala came to the United States. He politically wanted another force to balance things with the Catholic Church and went to the President of the United States and asked, can you send a missionary to Guatemala? And the President called the Presbyterians. Do you have a missionary? Can go to Guatemala with the President in the same boat in two weeks from now. That's how it happened. Now, his objective was not to preach the gospel. The president was not thinking, okay, let's bring Christianity here, really preach the gospel in Guatemala. No, he wanted to balance the powers, politic, polit, polit, politics in, in Guatemala. But the Lord uses anything. So, first missionaries came officially, 1982, 1882, to Guatemala. After that, then we saw other strategies now remember, we're now thinking in terms of are we adapting to the new way of doing things. New strategies need to be in place. Well, at that time, they decided, okay, let's, let's have a, a hospital, a Christian hospital. And people started to come to these hospitals. And they preached, them, preached the gospel to them. Churches were started. 
Later on, they decided, let's go to the government hospitals and preach the gospel there as well. Then they started schools, Christian schools. And they were preaching the gospel to kids coming to the Christian schools. And I was uh, sharing a story. Well, that was this very before. A young man that I remember well when I was in second or third grade. Jorge was his name. And 50 years later, I asked somebody, you know anything about Jorge? And they said, yes, yes. Jorge is in Antigua, Guatemala, playing his accordion. He gives concerts playing his accordion. Okay? So I went and found him. And when everything was over, I went up to him, and he says, you look so familiar. And so I said, if you can think, you know, 50, 60 years ago, me that young, he says, you look so familiar. So we connected. And then I got him together with my dad. My dad is 102. And my dad remembered a story, and he told him the story. He said, this is what I remember about you. And then Jorge, Jorge played his accordion. And he played the song, How Great Thou Art, and he started crying. Jorge. Jorge is not a believer. Okay? But he learned those songs when he was a young kid. He knew four of them. He played for my dad. But when he played How Great Art, he broke down. Okay? Jorge is in the hospital today because of heart problem. And I sent a message to all of my siblings saying, pray for Jorge, pray for Jorge. And my brother called, called him up. He says, Jorge, how you doing? He says, not too, not too good. He says, Jorge, there is a decision you need to make. Edwin cannot make it for you. I cannot make it for you. He presented the gospel to Jorge. Jorge came to the Lord, the Lord yesterday. Okay? Came to the Lord. That was a strategy that came from that era. Can you imagine the results? 50, 60 years later. Because the, the gospel was preached faithfully to children. So now I'm going to go back and visit Jorge. As my brother in Christ. <laughs> See? Faithfulness of people doing their work. My mom, being part of that school that my dad started, decided we're preaching the gospel to these kids. What about the kids in public schools? So she went to the principal of one of the schools and says, I would like to teach a Bible lesson to your kids. And he says, what are you going to teach? He says, well, we're going to teach them to obey their parents, uh, to, to, to not to lie. Uh, we're going to teach them to be responsible. He says, okay. And so he says, teach, teach these kids here in the class. And he stayed there the entire time. Afterwards, he said, she said, he said to, to her, can you teach that same lesson again to another class? And I'm going to bring the teachers to listen to you because I want them to learn how you teach, because this is a way, good way of teaching. See, he was not, not touched by the gospel yet, but the Lord is using whatever. Again, in his case, he wants his 
teachers to come and see a way of teaching that he liked. Make a long story short, she taught all of those classes, trained a few more people, they, they started teaching everybody in that school, then they went to another school, another school, another school. Today, they teach the Bible in all public schools in the state of Huehuetenango in Guatemala. My mom is with the Lord, but the work continues. The work continues. And see, when, when, when we do something that is of the Lord, it, it will stay. It will continue for many years. So that was part of the strategy. Then they started Christian radio stations, they, the missionaries, the strategy, ACJB. Many, many, many people came to know the Lord because they heard the radio station. And then radio stations were placed in every country, every country, red, Christian radio stations. There was a time when the church was, had grown, and most of the people listening to the Christian radio stations were Christians. But the idea is how can, how can we bring others to listen? So another strategy developed. Some of these evangelists and preachers, pastors, they went to the secular radio station. And they paid for time, and they had micro, micro messages, 60-second messages. After a very popular program, right after it, it came up, you know, a, a message to the people, an invitation maybe to come to a church. That was a strategy that paid big dividends if you want to put it that way, many, many people heard the gospel because they didn't want to hear the Christian radio station. Okay? Another strategy that was being used. The Apostle Paul said, I became whatever was needed to whomever needed the message. For the sake of the message, he adapted himself. He adjusted his strategies. He was not doing the same, same, same thing with one or the other. If you have your Bibles, in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Are we adapting ourselves? Let me read the passage. Though I am free, verse, verse 19, and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. You can preach a whole message right there on that. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To the to win the weak, 
I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. Jesus Christ has several strategies as well. Talk to a Samaritan woman. It was not popular to talk to a, a woman like the Samaritan woman. The apostles were shocked when they saw him talking to her. Maybe, maybe a question here. Is somebody shocked of what we do for the sake of the gospel? Maybe a way of knowing if we're using the strategies that we need to be using. But he had a strategies. And <clears throat> although we've done mass evangelism for many years, now things need to be done differently, in a different way. How do we plant churches today? How do we share the gospel today in this new environment? In this new context, we now have other issues that maybe we didn't have as, as much before. We have a divided country. Not only, not only this country, but many countries are divided now around the world. We have a difficult situation, a different situation. What are we going to do with the issues of uh, gender identity and how to reach them? Council culture. The different interpretation of the interpretations of racism. What are we going to do with the new ways of learning? Internet, Zoom, Zoom uh, phone, tablets. My uh, our little guy, well, he uh, he was five. He's 15 now. Irie, for those of you in our family, Irie is now 15. But when he was five, I was having problems with the television and trying to get out of something that he already had in, and, and I didn't know how. So I asked him, Ira, you need to come and help me. And he says, Papa, I'm going to help you once. He was, he was tired of me asking him so many questions about do this and do this for me and help me out. New ways of communicating. WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, short sentences. No long sentences, no long paragraphs. It has to be quick. I don't have time for, for longer paragraphs to read. And I did send something to a group of younger people, and they said, oh, can you make this very short? They sent it back to me. They didn't even read it. So what are the changes that we need to make? The use of new instruments, like the potential of artificial intelligence, robots, Drones. In our day, we drop gospel tracks from airplanes in villages. But after the service, I'm going to put somebody on the spot right now. Somebody came to me with a great idea. Oh, I like drones. What would you do? <laughs> he didn't know this. <laughs> Amen. Right there in downtown, and then it all folds up, and the drum flies away. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, now, now. See, it has to be creative. Uh, my uh, little Irie, now 15, he came back from a 
youth activity that took place at our, our son's uh, uh, warehouse. Um, our son has a warehouse, and that's where he lives too. And they had the, the, all the doors closed, and all their cars were coming in. And, uh, and, and then they said, we have a big surprise for you. And so they opened the doors, and they had these lights that are attracting to young people, whatever those lights are. Okay? And, and they had those lights. And then they had music. And, and, and close your ears if this is too tough for you. They had secular music. And they were singing. My son says that he was upstairs because he didn't want to be right there with them. You know, this is a youth thing. So he's upstairs, but he's, he's taking everything in. He says they were singing. These kids knew the songs, popular songs. Of course, they, they chose something that was appropriate. But these kids that were not believers, invited to a party by Christians, they didn't want to feel trapped. Okay, they really didn't tell me that this is a church. And I didn't want to go to a church. So it was not churchy. And they went in, you know, those lights, and then the, 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 the music, and then they were sitting in a, in a way that they felt the environment was such that they felt that there were hundreds of kids with them. They have screens, and then the screen comes on, and, and I, I, I don't know exactly what they had in there, but when my 15-year-old my kid came home, he says, Papa, it was well done. The message that they, that they preached was good. They did it well. And then he says, it was not in your face. <laughs> so I think that we need to be creative in how we're going to do things. In our church, uh, I went to two events. In one of the events, they they had about 150 kids and 110 or something like that volunteers. Immediately, I thought, if something works, let's do more of that. If something doesn't work, let's put it aside and do what it works. And I said, with 110 volunteers, you can have 500 kids here once a month. Well, if they do it three or four more times a year, that'd be great. So those are some of the things that we need to keep in mind. God is at work. We're dealing with a new and different economy, different family values, different inclinations for a way of government. Now, what you're going through is new to you. It's not new to us in Latin America. You know, we see the coups all the time, and, you know, it'll be a, a, real, a real shock if we had one here. But down there, they happen all the time. So we've seen some of that. They're guerrilla warfare. We live through them. El Salvador, Nicaragua, Guatemala. So we've had some of that experience, okay? Uh, 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 we'll pray that none of that will happen here, that the gospel uh, will we'll touch the hearts of people and things will be, be different. But we are in a different situation. God is doing great things everywhere. And I'll tell you this little story. During the last seven years, in a sensitive uh, part of the world, 
where the gospel is being preached is very hard. They cannot do it through radio. They cannot do it through television. They cannot do it openly. It has to be one-on-one. -on -one. During the last seven years, a lot of things have happened. During the four, first four years, 180 people came to know the Lord. We're talking work that is done. Yes. And, and during the pandemic, during the last 10 months of during the pandemic, 110,000 came to know the Lord. And as we count the last seven years, it's just a little bit under 500,000. Amen. I won't name the countries, but you probably know them. There are two of them, sensitive. In these two countries, more things are happening as far as people coming to know the Lord than any other country in the world. I mean, that's counting Latin America. And here, where we have the opportunity to preach freely. So, this is a hard, a hard phrase to say. But the gospel has grown more under persecution. A lot more. So, where are we? Where are we? Are we thinking about strategies? Are we thinking about what I can do? How I can influence others? God is not asking us to do anything that we cannot do. He's only asking that we do what he has equipped us to do. Irie has ADHD. And I, and, 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 and I don't know who else. What else? But I tell him, Irie, I'm not asking you to be number one in school. I don't want, I'm not asking you to be number one in cross country. No. I'm asking you to do the best you can with what you have. That's all God is asking. To do the best we can with what we have. Nothing more. There are gifts and abilities that I don't have. But there are some that I have, and those I'm responsible for. I need to use them for the glory of God. When I, when I do two services, I forget what I said in the first one. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to, to finish with this. Matthew 9. 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And we all are being called, now more than ever, we have missionaries somewhere else. And now Idlewild needs missionaries here. 
And so we have, yesterday, uh, this town was, was packed with people. How? How in the world? I don't know. How can I make an impact? These people. What can I do? How can I use technology? I'll finish with this uh, little story. In a sensitive part of the world, a person in the middle of the night had a dream. And this is a person with a name, with an address. And in the dream, the Lord Jesus appeared to him. And this is very common, by the way. It's, it's not unique in some of these parts of the world. And in this dream, <clears throat> the Lord explained to this person that he came to die for his sins. And that his sins could be forgiven and he could go to heaven, have eternal life. And that he could go somewhere where somebody with a Bible would explain more. And he did. We get those testimonies, put them in a little, and then put them in another little, <laughs> and you know what, I'm doing this. And hundreds and thousands of people can listen to that testimony. Are you with me? Are you following me? Okay. Strategy is another strategy. And they're listening to the message and they're coming to know Christ. So we need to be grateful as, as, as a body of Christ sending missionaries. We need to be grateful because God is doing something. And he's using all of these people that we have sent. But he can also use us here. And we need to do our part. We need to do our part. Even if, it's, if we think it's just a little bit. I told, when I, when I was a pastor, uh, there was an older man that came in. He always sat in the same place. Same place. And apparently he felt that he was not contributing to the church. And he said, your presence in that same spot every Sunday is a big testimony. It was an encouragement to me as a pastor. Where are we? Are we making those adjustments? Are we thinking about it? Uh, let's pray that God will help us. Heavenly Father, as we celebrate missions, as we celebrate strategies that have worked, as we celebrate results of many years of work in Latin America, in North America, and other parts of the world, as we celebrate the calling to so many that have gone out, we now say, Lord, also help us. Do what we can with what we have right where we are. Thank you, Father. Because we can see great things in this hill and this town that maybe we haven't seen before. Because more people would be willing to participate and do their part. Thank you, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.